Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. And it's a recognition that economic development is changing and the, the way that you go about building capacity and thinking about economic development has fundamentally shifted because you have to know about infrastructure. You got to know about childcare, housing issues, workforce development issues. All these things are intrinsically in, you know, connected to one another. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachia. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're a entrepreneur out there especially in eastern kentucky check them out appalachia meets world we're back the both of us again it's will what up it's neil i'm back how's it going it's good where you been busy 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 i know everybody in our world is busy but it's been a little crazy for a couple weeks so man good to good to be back at it good to see you yeah, I know our uh, all of our listeners have missed me drastically. I'm sure they keep uh, all the all the social networks they keep pouring into my to my inbox. You know, I've just had to. Sorry, I haven't had time to respond to all of them, but I will. You know, I will. <laughs> I know that the listenership has dwindled the last couple of weeks, and, yeah. and this this episode should blow up because Neil. Oh back. yeah. This- we're taking it to, to, to new heights. I hate to keep dropping the Kelsey <laughs> brothers lingo, but uh, it, we're going to new heights with having me back on go. the show. So I'm well, glad to be back. Be, well, you picked a good week. It's Super Bowl week. You know, my timing is impeccable, so I'm always ready for a big game. I'm looking forward to this one. How about you? Uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Taylor Swift. That's that's what I'm watching for. What what, <laughs> what, uh, my, what you got? I go 49ers. You. I knew you were the bandwagon. <laughs> bandwagon. Kansas City's the biggest bandwagon in the history of the world. What are you talking hey, about? Hey, I'm not rooting for Kansas City. I, I, oh, I'm okay. just saying. Uh, I'm watching. You just want to say Taylor. <laughs> okay. And Usher. Yeah, I was talking to some people today. They're most interested in in Usher. Uh, it's going to be a spectacle. Oh, by the way, there's a ball game going on. My That's head not- tells me. The Chiefs, my heart tells me the 49ers, so we'll see what happens. I did something this week, speaking of Taylor Swift, speaking of music. I went to a concert, which is not a surprise, but do you know who I saw? Man, with your connections and your musical love, I can only imagine who it was. (laughs) I have no guess for you. It's an icon. I went to see Madonna. Oh, look at you. Let Man, me tell you. Where you been? Doors opened at 7. She didn't start until almost 10.30, and okay. she played until almost 1. Oh, my gosh. It's not a show for youngsters. It's definitely a production. It's an experience <laughs> for sure. There's a lot that goes on at a Madonna concert. 
And I was there watching it all. Sounds more like a Vegas show to me. (laughs) Could be. Yeah, it was interesting. So obviously, Will, our listeners will be tuned in. I'm sure they'll catch our show before they watch the Super Bowl. So I do have to ask you, do you have any app news for us this week? Yeah, I have a few app news items. I wanted to mention the Barter Theater. I know we've talked about it before in Abington, Virginia. They are having their Appalachian Festivals of Plays and Playwrights on February 22nd through February 25th. That's a Thursday through a Sunday. It's an annual thing where the Barter chooses six stories out of hundreds of submissions of new Appalachian plays. If you're in that area, check them out. We'll post it in the show notes. Also, because we are going into National Entrepreneurship Week next week, February 14th, the ARC, they're having online office hours to discuss ARC funding applications and resources that have to do with Appalachian entrepreneurs. So if you're an entrepreneur out there, if you're a small business, definitely check this out. Get tips and tricks on funding opportunities and resources, but also ask questions directly. So we'll post that in the show notes. The last item, the West Virginia Entrepreneur Ecosystem Conference is April 9th in Huntington, West Virginia. That's for entrepreneurs, small businesses in the state of West Virginia, but also coalitions, anyone that works with entrepreneurs. So that's April 9th in Huntington, West Virginia. And I wanted to mention that because of the guest that we have on tonight, Mr. Nathan Oli. He is the president of the International Economic Development Council. And as we go into National Entrepreneurship Week, you know, we expect to ask him about economic development in general, but how it plays an impactful role in communities, but especially in smaller rural communities. Also about the new ERC, the Economic Recovery Corps program that IEDC and EDA started. We want to ask him about that. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to this conversation, Will. I'm uh, glad to be a part. All right. Without further ado, you want to get him on? Yes, sir. Let's do it. So today we have Nathan Oley. He's a nationally recognized economic development expert with decades of experience leading public, private, and nonprofit organizations. He currently is the president and CEO of the International Economic Development Council, or IADC, which is a nonpartisan member organization serving economic development globally. And I did want to mention they just announced this week the Economic Recovery Corps, which we're going to be talking about later. Throughout his illustrious career, he has been recognized as a rising star in economic development internationally. With a wealth of previous experience, he he has also spent a considerable amount of time and effort working to build capacity in rural communities across the country. So, Nathan, thank you so much for being part of the show. Thanks so much for having me, Well, Excited to be with you this morning. Like most Appalachians are big on history, big on tradition. Neil and I, our family's big on tradition as well. One of the traditions that we have, we have appetizers at the holidays, like this gigantic spread of food for appetizers, bigger than a meal. So I wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? Well, we we do a very similar thing. Uh, we celebrate Christmas in our family. Um, and so Christmas Eve, we have uh, a big spread of, of hors d'oeuvres. For me, uh, my favorite appetizer 
would probably be potato skins. Okay. Okay. What, what sour cream, cheese, bacon on top, or cheese, cheese and bacon? Cheese and bacon. Yeah, add that to anything. You can't go wrong. Exactly right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I get asked a lot, even by my own parents, when I tell them that I work in the economic development. The first thing they ask is, "What is that? What exactly do you do?" So, so I ask you, how do you define economic development? Well, I think it's it's a great question because I think all of us in this world get asked that all the time. To me, the fundamental aspect of economic development is, is around connecting. It is about building opportunity in your place in particular. So that is either working with small businesses or, or even large businesses. It's working uh, with workforce development entities. It's understanding the impact of infrastructure and the need for, for those kind of uh, services to be in a community, in a region. But in the end, it's about connecting. It's about building opportunity through those connections making sure that we're investing in our in our community and providing opportunity for small business owners and, and, and other businesses to grow and thrive. I like how you immediately mentioned small business and workforce, because in economic development, you know, it was, it was originally conceived. It was about utilizing incentives to attract the major corporation or major company to your a town, and it was all about jobs, jobs, jobs. We've seen this tremendous shift over time to really workforce, 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 and building up small businesses and building upon your assets and really growing from within. How have you seen this shift and how significant have you seen it to all communities and not just the larger metropolitan areas? I think it's been a very significant shift, especially over the last five years. There will always be that attraction piece that that is a, a part of the puzzle, but it is certainly not as big of a piece of the, of the puzzle as it used to be. I think there's a growing recognition and understanding that by investing in small businesses, growing from within and the assets that, that exist in your community helps to strengthen the larger region in a much more long-term and sustainable approach. Because if you're attracting a business to, to your community, there's a reason that they want to come because you've built already from within. But also, if you are investing in those places that already exist in, in your community and the small businesses where 46% of net new jobs come from, then you're actually building an approach that embeds that wealth, that opportunity in your community, in your region that's going to stick. A lot of your past work, and I think a lot of people that listen to this show will appreciate, has been in the rural communities, in the rural sector. You know, we've learned from doing this podcast that we don't just speak to people in Appalachia. We go outside the region and speak about other regions because we found in doing this podcast that we're much more similar than we're our difference. We share a lot more similarities than people would think. How, how does I, IDC think about economic development from a global perspective? And, and whether it's large, small, urban, or rural, do you see these similarities? I absolutely do. And I think one of the things that I learned throughout my career and, and before I started IDC, you know, I was running an organization that was exclusively full, focused on rural and tribal places. And, you know, within IDC, I would say a, a pretty strong percentage of our members are rural. And, you know, for us, we don't define what rural is because, you know, the federal agencies don't even understand how to define what rural is. But, you know, the, the one thing I tell anybody is you've been to one rural place, you've been to one rural place because there's unique attributes about each and every place. But the similarities that exist in rural places versus urban or suburban or tribal, you know, are actually much more similar than you might think from the outside. There's certainly distinct issues and opportunities that exist based on the place and based on the resources and, and the opportunities that exist. But in the end, the approaches that we take from an economic development perspective 
have to look similar in places of, of various sizes if we truly want to grow and embed wealth into those places that are going to stick in the long term. 100% agree. We, we've seen even inner city urban is very, the challenges are very similar to rural, especially rural Appalachia. So we wanted to get into the economic recovery core, which I mentioned. I can announce this week that I actually am part of the economic recovery core. I'm a fellow. We wanted to have you on to really talk about it. Really a major and could potentially be transformative initiative. Can you just explain to our listeners what it is? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm glad to use the word transformative because it is truly that. Um, and thank you, Will, for stepping in with us in, in this in this program. So the Economic Recovery Corps is a brand new program designed not just by IDC, but a, a whole host of partners to really focus on building capacity at the local level from an economic development perspective. So we're going to be embedding 65 fellows, you're one of those 65, directly into communities for two and a half years with two main goals. One is to build the capacity of those places, and these are all under-resourced, economically distressed places, urban, rural, and tribal in nature. But also the second goal is to start to build the next generation of leaders in economic development, folks that can really step into not just challenging uh, environments, but opportunistic environments as well, and to help us really understand how do we not just build capacity, but start to implement and, and bring true economic prosperity to these places. And, you know, as a result of this program, obviously, we're, we're, we're looking to, to build that capacity. And, and why is capacity so important in a place that is economically distressed? You know, they have less resources, less, uh, less people in some cases. And, and in many cases, I think 62% of our fellows are going to be placed in rural communities, uh, or rural serving host organizations. But for us, the one thing that we looked at is we looked at what happened back in 2008 during the recession and the resulting investment that happened or didn't happen in places. And the one thing that was very clear is that the places that didn't have capacity to actually take on the, the resources and opportunities got left further behind. And so we wanted to make sure in this moment in time in particular that we did not further exacerbate those issues. And so this program is specifically designed to build capacity to do it in a long-term nature. So a two and a half year fellowship, that's that's very different than most fellowship programs that are like a year or so, and do it in a way that we weren't putting an extra burden on these host organizations or these communities themselves. And so IDC, as a, as a result of a partnership with the U.S. Economic Development Administration, will be uh, you know front-loading uh, and paying for the fellows themselves. So the communities don't have to bear that burden, but the communities do have a specific set of, of things that they have to do, connect those fellows, help them build into whatever the economic development plans are. And the unique part of this is it's not just around economic development. Some fellows are going to be focused on housing issues. Some are going to be focused on workforce development issues. And it's a recognition that economic development is changing. And the, the way that you go about building capacity and thinking about economic development has fundamentally shifted because you have to know about infrastructure. You got to know about childcare, housing issues, workforce development issues. All of these things are intrinsically, in, you know, connected to one another. And especially in in under-resourced places, it's it's imperative that we have folks that can help to build those linkages and those connections. Uh, on the west side, it, you know, it describes it as as thinking differently in regards to economic development. And I think you just just describe that exactly of how fellows can help a community or, you know, just think differently when it comes to economic development, this holistic approach of workforce, economic development, all blending into one. You know, you mentioned capacity building, but a lot of the times when a consultant will go into a community, a community will look at that consultant as the silver bullet 
or the, you know, having all the answers. I don't think that's the point of this fellowship. It's really to build that capacity, but also connect those communities to those partners that you mentioned, those, those federal resources. Can you just mention that connection and how important it is to the community and what expectations the communities should have when it comes to uh, the fellows and not really being the silver bullet that has all the answers? No, that's exactly right. It, it's kind of the old parable, we're going to teach you how to fish. We're not going to give you the fish, right? We want to make sure that we're building that capacity in these places so that they can take these challenges on in the long run and build those connections to the federal resources that are available, state resources, local resources, to ensure that we're building a long-term approach that when this two-and-a-half-year fellowship ends, it doesn't. the programs don't stop that we've built these programs, these opportunities, this capacity in these places to continue to take on these challenges and build on the opportunities that exist and ensure that there have been built connections between those funding and resources, between those partners, between regional partners. Because the other thing that we've seen is a major shift in the economic development landscape is a focus on collaboration as opposed to competition. And so this is another way for us to help to build those connections build those collaborative opportunities and ensure that, you know, long-term sustainable growth and long-term sustainable capacity is built in these places. There's also a professional development component for the fellows themselves. So they won't only be working in communities, but they'll be reaching out to other fellows in other communities and bringing best practices that they learn elsewhere back to the their host site. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. The, the intentional piece of building those partnerships was specifically around this. So, we built partnerships with the National Association of Counties, the National League of Cities, the Center on Rural Innovation, the National Association of Development Organizations, the International City and County Managers Association, and the Regional Accelerator and Innovation Network. The specific focus on the different types of organizations that are doing economic development or engaged in economic development. So among the 65, you're going to have a group of folks in county government, and you're going to have a group of folks in nonprofit economic development organizations. You're gonna have a, a set of folks in rural entrepreneur support organizations. And so the design of this was not only are we going to train them in economic development and provide all of our courses and certifications to the fellows as, as resources, but also those partners, the National Association of Counties can work with folks in county government to better understand, you know, what is the role of county government in economic development? Who should they be connecting with? And most importantly, so that you get that peer-to-peer -peer interaction, because what we know, what, what all of us know as economic developers is that we learn from one another. And there are a lot of us that are dealing with similar issues in different places, not just you know across the United States, but globally. And so that peer-to-peer -peer interaction, the peer-to-peer -peer training opportunities are going to be really vital to, to each fellow, but also obviously to the full program. We actually started this podcast to dispel some of the stereotypes that people have about Appalachia, about the region. Do you think that through this that this fellowship can have an impact from a cultural and inclusionary perspective? Is that an idea behind the fellowship? Oh, I absolutely believe so. I, I think, number one, you're exactly right. That, that narrative is really important. I think one of the things as economic developers that we don't spend enough time on is on the storytelling aspect of, of our work, of our community, of the place that we live, work, and play. And we also don't do a good enough job of, of telling the story of what economic development is. So we also built into this program an intentional focus on storytelling and documenting what's happening, what, what, what the experiences are of the fellows, obviously the outcomes for the communities as a result, and making sure that we can talk about you know, what, what does rural economic development look like? What does it feel like? What, what, are, the, what are the really 
uh, impactful moments in in tribal economic development and what's happening in inner inner core cities as well. How do we drive these opportunities and what are the really positive aspects of these places that we should be highlighting and showcasing? This is going to take place over the next 30 months. And I know you're going to be documenting it along the way. I know you recently got a grant to help with that from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you at the end of the 30 months or, or or even beyond, what does success look like for this program? So I think there's a couple of pieces to this. One, uh, this is meant to be the first step, the first cohort. So, you know, at the end of 30 months, my hope is that there's a second cohort that's in the field, <laughs> right? Built, doing the same thing in, in an additional set of communities that we've created uh, connections between all 65 of the fellows and certainly their host organizations uh, that that build well into the future. And so you've got this, this cohort of folks that you can grow together with in your own journeys and that the communities can do the same thing. And obviously, you know, in the end of this, we hope that we've built capacity in these places, that we've helped to, to bridge gaps or build economic opportunity in these places, that we're starting to see some of that economic prosperity, and that we've got really impactful stories on what economic development is, how do you do it in, in economically distressed places, you know, how does this help align the field itself and the profession of economic development to identify what are the tools and resources that practitioners need? You know, what do we need to be helping communities understand are really important aspects to building local and regional growth in a, in a sustainable and more equitable way? Um, and in really ensuring that, that places of all sizes, shapes and colors have opportunities based on the assets that, that live in their community, that we build capacity in those places and that we can really raise the profile of what economic development is and how do you really drive opportunity for, for people and places. Yeah, I want to congratulate you again on this, uh, putting this together in actually a short short amount of time. It has really come come together. And it, like, like you said in the beginning, could really be a transformative program, especially for those smaller communities to build, not only build that capacity, but build that connection. I wanted to ask a couple of quick questions just to get maybe to know Nathan a little bit. I know you currently live in DC. You've lived there for quite a while, but you are from Michigan. In 2005, Michigan State broke my heart in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Overtime game, nail biter, literally broke my heart because I'm a Kentucky Wildcat fan. But I wanted to ask you, now that you live in DC, are you a Spartan for life? Do you still oh. cheer you? I bleed green. There's no doubt. I, I bleed green. And and I, I remember that game distinctly. It was Timbo Gracchus hit a three-pointer that rolled around the rim and oh, went I'm down. Uh, I Yeah, I, I bleed green. So I went to Michigan State, obviously, for school. Uh, I'm a huge sports fan. Um, and so, you know, that, it killed me the other day when, when the basketball team lost. But, uh, yeah, I totally bleed. If you can see behind me, I've got Michigan State stuff all, all on my wall and in my bookcase behind me. So, Okay. Well, do you cheer for the Nationals now that you're in D.C.? So we do. Uh, so I'm actually a Chicago sports fan. My whole family's from Chicago. It brings a natural rivalry in my family. My wife is a huge Detroit sports fan. Obviously, we both grew up in Michigan. So growing up in Michigan as a Chicago sports fan wasn't the easiest thing to deal with. But we have adopted the Nationals. We're, we're White Sox fans, and so their, their National League team allows us to to have a little fun and root for them. And, and it was a really cool experience to be here when they won the World Series. The city really rallied around that. It was, it was a pretty tremendous experience. What do you like most about working in economic development? To me, there's two things. 
the mission orientation of it, the service a aspect of economic development, I think is, is one of the most undervalued pieces of this work. I think most of us intrinsically feel that and are in this because of of that mission-driven focus and, and kind of servant leadership. And then the other piece that is you're constantly learning. You know, people are in this to learn and engage from one another. And I have had so many experiences of just a, a quick 10-minute conversation with someone about something they're doing that has grown and expanded to a new idea that, that I could take and, and replicate in other places. And people are always willing to have those conversations. If you reach out to someone in economic development and say, hey, I want to grab 15 minutes of your time, 30 minutes of your time, in almost every case, people absolutely accept that. And it turns into a new relationship, a new opportunity. And so that engagement piece is what really, you know, it, it keeps me keeps me excited about what's happening in the economic development field. On the flip side of that, what's the most challenging thing about your work? I think the most challenging thing from, from my perspective now at IDC is that our members come from all walks of life, from different types of organizations, and it's an evolving field. And so we want to be at the front edge, the cutting edge of that, but also recognize that that the reality and recognition of, of what economic development is, is different in different places based on different organizations. And especially globally, you know, economic development looks and feels differently in Australia than it does in Southeast Asia, than it does in Latin America, than it does here in the United States. And so, you know, we have to try and represent all of those regions, all of those places, and 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 what economic development is, and so that can be really challenging. It it there's always another thing to do, uh, which loves which I love and and drives me, but it also can be really challenging. Okay, I'm going to ask you this: as a northerner, your definition of one of these may be a little bit different, but cornbread or biscuits? Oh, uh, for me, it's cornbread. Okay, do you put sugar in your cornbread? No. <laughs> okay okay a northerner that doesn't put sugar in it. Nice. <laughs> I like it i like it we've had we've heard all the time that you can't go wrong with either so um well you know we we moved from michigan to to northern virginia almost 10 years ago now 2014 and and my son has fully embraced the southern southern lifestyle and cornbread is a vital part of his diet so <laughs> nice. Nice. good to hear all right i got Two questions, and then we'll get you out of here. I know you're uh, extremely busy, but again, we appreciate your time. Uh, I wanted to ask you this. These are two questions that we ask everyone, always kind of end the episode on. But what's the first thing you think about when I say the word Appalachia? People. For me, yeah, I've spent a decent amount of time in Appalachia. The people are incredibly passionate about where they live, incredibly passionate about whatever work they're doing. And they rally around each other. And and obviously, you know, there's been challenging times um, in different places uh, across the region, but the people are really special um, and they really have a love for their place. Yeah, I've lived in a lot of places and that that spirit of community, I, I don't think it's any stronger uh, than it is in Appalachia. To that point, we've kind of ground our podcast on place and perspective. Place is really important for Neil and I really important for Appalachia, like you mentioned. But so we wanted to ask you, just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? So I probably have two different homes. Home for me is still Michigan. It will always be Michigan. I grew up in Midland, a small town of about 25,000 um, in the middle of the state. Uh, and 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 Michigan will always be home to me. Now, obviously, I haven't lived there in 10 years, but my family is still there. My wife's family is still there. We go we go back there more so in the summer than the winter based on, on the weather. But <laughs> Michigan will always be my home. But we spent 10 years here in Northern Virginia and, and 
my kids now have lived here longer than they lived back in Michigan. And so for them, Northern Virginia is a huge part of their life and certainly a big part of my life as well. And so uh, we're, we're in Falls Church, Virginia, just a small little community about seven miles outside of the D.C. area. Um, and so this has definitely become a second home for us. Well, Nathan, thank you again so much for, for taking the time. Thank you for talking about yourself, but about economic development in general. For me, it's inspired me. Some of the things that you said today, it's given me a little charge in, in the work that I do and, and, and that we do in regards to economic development. So thanks. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Will, thank you for all that you're doing. It, these are the conversations that I love the most because I get to learn a little bit about what others are doing and thank you for stepping in with us through the Economic Recovery Corps program. I'm excited to see all that's ahead for you and certainly the community as a result. And thank you for doing this. Uh, I talked earlier about storytelling being such an important piece of this work. And so helping to, to raise the narrative around, around this work and around the place and region is really critical. So thank you. What a great, what a great guest tonight! I know you guys uh, can talk to Lingo a lot better than me, but uh, really thrilled to have Nathan on. An honor for us to have him on here. And you guys talking about your EDC uh, stuff is just in- incredible. Love to hear about sports as well, even yeah. if it's Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the passion that he has for the Spartans is okay. You know, it's the same type of passion that, that I have for the Wildcats, so I can respect it. But I enjoyed it, man. Good conversation. Definitely want to thank Nathan for agreeing to be on the show. I know he's busy, but it's really important work that they're doing there at IEDC. For sure. Big things ahead for you as well, Will. Hopefully our listeners know by now, but uh, big shout out to, to you. Man, just a great episode to be back. Glad to be back. Yeah, I'm glad you're back, too. Do you got an app biz of the week for us tonight? Yeah, I have some app bizzes of the week this week, Neil. Because we mentioned in the intro, next week is National Entrepreneurship Week. I wanted to mention a group, Soar Innovation, there in eastern Kentucky. They do some incredible work with entrepreneurs in eastern Kentucky. They give free entrepreneurship training and services. They have in-person events. They just got through what they call Ignite Innovation Workshops throughout the region. They also provide resources throughout the region. They have a complete guide to entrepreneurship and the ultimate cheat cheat sheet for business incentives and funding opportunities. So check that you can check those out online. But they have a they hold an annual startup Appalachia competition, which is what I wanted to mention because this year they just announced the finalists. The seven finalists for the Startup Appalachia Pitch Competition. And I wanted to name those finalists as the app business of the week. So they are Sunhouse Craft. The entrepreneur is Cynthia Main. It's a small batch artisan manufacturing business with a focus on traditional craft. Also, Savatica Forest Farm, Joanna Amarim, and Michael Beck. They run a hub to educate the local and regional community on the importance of forest farming. Also, Dad Distilling, that's D-A-A-D. Aaron Floyd is the entrepreneur. It is a black-owned distillery of premium high corn bourbon that will provide visitors with an immersive and unique site touring experience in the mountains 
of Eastern Kentucky. Eric, uh, Complete 3D, entrepreneur's Eric Spark. It helps professionals leverage additive manufacturing to be more effective at their craft. Hazard Coffee, Coffee Company in Hazard, Kentucky. Stephen and Maggie Prosser. They really focus on a data-driven approach to coffee brewing and roasting. And they utilize state-of-the-art espresso machines and coffee roasters to provide the highest quality coffee on the market. It's really a growing company there in Main Street Hazard. They do a lot more than just roast coffees. Insight Emergency Solutions. There are several entrepreneurs on this team. Corey Shepard, Abby Daniel, Claire Holbrook, and Rylan Rayburn. They just happen to be high school students at West Carter High, and their newly formed company is dedicated to saving lives by the second by helping to expedite the planning phase. They provide 3D virtual structural models to first responders during emergencies. It's a really cool idea, innovative practice for these high school students. The last one is tool printing technologies. Kyle Collett in Pineville, Kentucky, it's a 3D printing technology-based company that offers universal and custom organizers for any size toolbox or workbench. And those are the seven finalists for 2024 pitch competition. They're also our app business of the week going into National Entrepreneurship Week next week. Since we talked about that, we can end it like we usually do. Till next time. Peace. getting lighter, the air's getting thin, now I'm facing down with a grin. I've been in the city too long, sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs, now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains.